This is Fully Vested, a weekly podcast where Jason Rowley and Graham Peck discuss technology and venture capital investing. This week, we explore several funding rounds that have been announced since the COVID-19 pandemic has been a significant factor. We call this our good news during the pandemic episode. Those companies are Run the World, a virtual conferencing platform, Chicago-based Talk, a restaurant technology company, and Chicago-based Quillbot, which helps content generators refresh and paraphrase content in new and interesting ways. The show was recorded on June 15th. You can learn more at fullyvested.co. Is that true? You never know when I hit call recorder? Uh, I seldom know. Okay. Well, it feels like this is now the show. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the spoiler. Uh, spoiler. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Graham, it's been um, uh, the past, what's the phrase? Like, you know, the past week has been the longest month of my life. Yeah, I think that's all right. Yeah. How are you doing? Man? The longest decade. Mm. Uh, good. Uh, I'm good. How about you? Uh, quite good, I'd say. Um, as far as a way to celebrate the, is it really celebrating? Uh, anyways, my my uh, my thirtieth birthday is next week. Is up is this upcoming weekend? Oh man, I lost track of time. That's crazy. Yeah, dude. I'm um, and my uh my uh lovely uh coworker uh Jed uh when I when I tweeted this out a couple of days ago. He was uh, very uh, quick to remind me that, uh, that, you know, this upcoming weekend when it is my birthday, I will have already that that will have that that will simply have marked the completion of my 30th rotation around the sun. So, Graham, the uh, the moral of the story is I've already been an old. As Mm. the young people say. Yeah. Wow. If I'm 29, do I do I get to refer to like people who use t- terms like an old in that way as like the young people? I don't know. Am I still the yeah, young I people? I don't know what the. I think you're still young, but that's only mm. because I'm older. Maybe mm. when well, when you start calling people like whippersnappers, that's when I think you 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 know <laughs> have graduated to like old. Uh, that's totally those, gonna those be young me. Whippersnappers. See, that's totally that's totally oh, yeah. going to be me. I can see you sitting on like a front porch, you know, in a rocking chair, shaking a cane at some kids. Sure. Yeah, sure. I, I can except see that. that'll be me when I'm like forty. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not very it's not very far off in the future. No, no, because it's not going to be like a it's not going to be a cane for for medical use. It'll be a it'll be a walking stick for like purely aesthetic purposes. Oh, you got it just to shake at the kids? Well, that and to uh, to knock uh, top hats off people's heads. Oh, there you go. Sure, you know it's the standard, it's the standard thing to do in 2020 is knock top hats off people's heads. I don't know where I'm going with this, Graham. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, where to start? Uh, we have a. We have a we have an interesting show that we're going to be recording today. Um, one that Graham and I had been planning on recording for roughly a month. 
Um, and as it stands today, what's the date? It is June 15th. Okay, so as we record today, it is June 15th. Um, anybody who's not been living under a rock um, will have probably seen some set of news uh, that would inclined you to believe that uh, Graham and I recording and releasing a episode of Fully Vested primarily concerning uh, what we kind of wanted to characterize as quote-unquote good news uh, that is still happening despite all of the negativity of coronavirus uh, and the uh, COVID-19 disease the virus causes um, that that it wouldn't have been in good taste. And uh, Graham, we recorded an episode last week-ish uh, discussing the, uh, the, the killing of George Floyd and a number of other African Americans who um, died at the hands of uh, current or former police officers and the protests that emerged mm-hmm. from that. Um, mm-hmm. we, we affirmed that uh, our, our beliefs that, uh, uh, and sort of the, offic- the official, not sort of, the official stance of the podcast, which is that Black Lives Matter and that we want to see much more um, representation, equal representation uh, uh, from the black community in venture and in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. And technology. Yeah, and technology more broadly. Um, uh, but, um, you know, talking about uh, quote-unquote good news, you know, however whatever whatever good news means in this context it just it 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 didn't seem correct given the given the circumstances yeah that that's exactly right um i am nearly if not uh an, an eternal optimist i jason and i were just talking uh, before the show and uh you know i feel like uh we're going to come out of all of the difficulty that our country and world is going through right now stronger and better um, I think we're gonna, you know, have to go through some some rough days to get there, um, and maybe the worst are are still yet to come. I guess we'll see. Um, but but in any case, uh, I, I am a pretty optimistic person, and I hope and think that there is uh, there that there are better days ahead of us than there have ever been behind us. That's my reason for getting out of bed tomorrow morning, I guess, and uh, every day every day thereafter. So, uh, while trying to be, you know, uh, and, and I've alluded to this on a past couple of episodes, uh, that, you know, we wanted to talk about good news in these uh, particularly rough times. And so, Jason and I found uh, a couple of companies in our, in our own backyard, um, you know, get to a, get a use the power of the microphone and sure. uh, give the home team uh, in Chicago a little bit of a shout out. Uh, but we found three companies in particular, and, and these three are kind of representative of a lot of companies out there uh, that are doing well for themselves and doing good and or both of those things uh, in these, you know, difficult times. So we wanted to highlight three companies that have successfully um, raised capital, although some of them may have raised some or all of the capital before coronavirus became a serious thing, um, but at least that have announced fundraises in the COVID times. Uh, and we wanted to highlight them and say, you know, hey, congratulations. These are three companies that 
Um, at least two of them kind of have to do with industries very heavily hit uh, by this situation and say, you know, kudos to you guys and keep up the good work to all uh, all startups and technology companies uh, and venture funds uh, out there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, any any venture fund, AI, we're... we're 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 exposed to a few folks who who are sort of putting their um, investing activities on pause for a little while, which is perfectly understandable and a incredible, completely a, reasonable decision. Totally reasonable decision. Um, you know, considering the uh, extremely uncertain, you know, just yeah. the the uncertainty a of everything. set of circumstances. Totally. But for everybody who has opted to not just tweet about, you know, saying that, oh, we're open for business, but actually stay open for business and, uh, you know, write checks and continue uh, investing in the startup ecosystem, you know, uh, thanks, I guess. I mean, you give us something to talk about, but uh, you also keep the, uh, the industry from grinding to a uh, uh, unceremonious halt. So, uh, <laughs> I guess thanks. Well, and, and, yes, thanks. But also, you know, real, realistically, there uh, I think there are good deals to be had right now. Mm. Um, and, you know, without being egregious uh, or anything, I think there's a way that you can um, be opportunistic in the in these tough times when there are fewer check writers, and as you covered in your you know prior career Crunchbase, um, the deal flow, um, what on a probably quarterly and annual basis, have both set dollar and number of deal highs on a quarterly and annual basis of all time. Within the last couple of years? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like 2000, so, 2019 and, yeah, was really so good. 2018 and 19, one of those, I think, set the high dollar yeah, amount. 18. One set the high deal number. 19. Um, and uh, so that's, uh, you know, that that's great. But uh, there are a lot of people who probably are uh, now struggling uh, for a variety of reasons. But many people, of course, are probably struggling who expected to be able to go out and raise capital from a market that has um, tightened up quite a bit. And by the way, I certainly believe that there's going to be a lot of great startups that come uh, from people who may or may not have lost jobs, but uh, have a bunch of found time now um, and potentially found hunger uh, and, and I mean that metaphorically, and I hope not literally for anyone, mm. um, uh, you know, to go out and start that business. Um, you know, looking at the 2008 era, a lot of great companies like Airbnb, which we've featured two or three times, including uh, earlier in the kind of coronavirus crisis. Um, uh, but Airbnb came out of... Uh, a business that took two or three kind of false starts and eventually got going out of the 2008 uh, crisis. Yeah. Uh, and, and you Uber can look at there's, you know, there's a whole bunch Uber, of others. There's a big cohort of companies that came out of those times. So I'm excited to see uh, what new uh, what new uh, technology companies come out of uh, out of this current crisis. Well, and and, and heck, even uh, new venture you know new venture firms like uh, don't quote me on this, but I think Andreessen Horowitz was founded, set up, spun up, established whatever term you want to use in I want to say 2007. 
I don't okay. have it. I don't have it in front of me. But anyways, like this is all to say that that you know, it's probable that a bunch of very exciting companies are going to come out of all this, and it's also uh, probable that a bunch of new and exciting uh, venture investment companies are going to come out of this too. Um, it's just going to be a matter of. Uh, it's going to just be a little bit of a wait and see game as to, you know, seeing a year or two down the road, you know, who, who set up shop now and who continues to operate in a couple of years. But I'm personally, uh, I'm personally quite excited to see what ends up happening. Same here. Hmm. So everybody, here's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, these, like we said, we, uh, we wanted to record this, um, several weeks ago. Um, so all of, so this, this is not exactly news. This is going to be more of a reciting the headlines and a bit of a discussion about three companies. We're going to be discussing run the world. Uh, we're going to be discussing talk and we are going to be discussing Quillbot. Uh, I guess we can take it away in roughly that order, I suppose. Um, sure, but we should, uh, introduce ourselves. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, do you want me to go first? Yeah, let's 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 do it. Sure. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Jason Rowley. I am a researcher at Golden, which is a San Francisco-based startup seeking to build the canonical source for knowledge. Uh, and when I'm not doing that, I write some other stuff on the internet. I have a little newsletter, and I do some startup outreach work for the open source community. Um, primarily working with uh, early stage companies that use Python in new and interesting ways. Uh, Graham, who are you? Yeah, my name is Graham Peck. I'm a venture partner at uh, Midwest-based VC Cultivation Capital. Um, we are headquartered in St. Louis, and I'm part of our team in Chicago. Um, and we invest in seed and Series A stage uh, B2B SaaS or otherwise recurrent or predictable revenue businesses. Uh, and we typically invest in them uh, when they have between half a million and a million of ARR or annually recurrent revenue. In addition to being a part-time venture partner uh, at Cultivation, uh, I also work with companies large and small, including startups, uh, on building out their development teams. Uh, and I do that specifically by helping them um, access different talent pools, mostly through a partnership with Brightgrove, uh, which is a really great 350-person um, Eastern European uh, software development company headquartered in Ukraine. Cool. Graham. Yeah. Graham. Let's talk about the, uh, let's talk about virtual conferences. Jason, have you attended any really great virtual conferences Ooh. since the uh, COVID crisis has started? <laughs> uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um I was invited to be in attendance at Collision. Um, oh. But uh, work stuff got in the way, and I think it was supposed to be going on last week. Uh, this, Or I think it was last week. And no, I think it's coming up in two weeks because I'm going to be attending. Oh, yeah. well, I was about to use some foul language, and this is a family show. Um, well, well, shoot. I guess I'm going to be going to Collision for at least a little bit. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I was 
I think, well, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, uh, negate my welcome here. I think I was, I, I was, I don't think I'm going to be a speaker. They asked me in, initially to be a speaker. I was like, about what? Um, uh, but I think I'm going to, yeah, I, I think I'm going to be in attendance there. I have no idea what, how, what the format's going to be um, or how it's going to really differ materially from a regular conference. Um, but I'm assuming there's still going to be keynotes, might be some breakout sessions, yada, yada. But, but, but Graham, this has been a long winded way of saying that, no, I've, I've not really attended a virtual conference as such. Um, I did, I do do volunteer work. Um, I did do volunteer work. Uh, I'll use past tense for this most recent, um, PyCon US, which is the largest, uh, Python programming conference in, uh, in the world, supposed to have taken place in Pittsburgh, um, Pennsylvania this year, obviously due to the pandemic that was canceled. Um, but that conference, such as it was, uh, at least for the parts that I was most aware of or would have been most likely to participate in, didn't necessarily have a, an incredibly active component like an active interactive component, I guess is the proper word I was looking for. It was a lot of like all the people that would have given talks, uh, keynotes, yada, yada. They did pre-recorded messages and those were shared over the YouTube channel that PyCon runs. Um, There may have been some more unofficial opportunities for people to interact, but um, at least as far as PyCon online this year went, you know, it was it was a relatively passive affair, um, but you know, it's st- they still got the content out there, and that's what's most important, um, especially around these more like education driven type conferences. But I'm really excited to see what happens with Collision, um, assuming I'm still going, uh, because it is it's not just a it's not really an educational conference; it's more of a business and networking type uh, affair as far as I'm concerned, as far as my understanding goes. I've never been to Collision before. Yeah, so I've been to Collision twice in person, and I was hoping to go this year, but it was was in the maybe category for me. Um, It's, uh, yeah, it starts a week from tomorrow, actually, uh, and is three days. And uh, I'm actually really excited to see what they... Um, what they have in store in terms of their virtual experience. Again, I've been to Collision uh, and then their sister conference, um, Web Summit in Lisbon, Portugal, uh, each twice, um, obviously in person um, uh, all, all four times. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how um, how the Web Summit crew um, handles the virtual experience. They've got a ton of really great speakers lined up, um, as they always do, uh, or always seem to. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see a conference, uh, you know, kind of at mass scale, um, uh, and, and how, how close to real life that, uh, that situation is. I'm going to be taking, uh, pitches openly from uh, around uh, potentially as many as a dozen companies oh, cool. during some office hours, uh, for a couple hours, uh, during one of the afternoons of collision. So, uh, which is something I would have done in, in person at the investor lounge had, had the conference been happening in person. Um, and had I been there, 
So yeah, that's going to be the first large scale event that I attend as well. I've gone to a couple of pitch events and some other things, um, which have had some technology more than just like a Zoom presenter. Um, but um, thus far, I've been kind of um, underwhelmed at the uh, kind of virtual conference attendance uh, kind of space. And so I'm excited to see what the team at Run the World can uh, can accomplish. Yeah, so um, so Run the World, it is a, a Mountain View-based uh, startup founded in July 2019. Um, so obviously, uh, the current the the badness of the current situation notwithstanding uh i i i suppose the uh the founding team could not have asked for better worse timing i don't even know i don't know how to phrase it it was very fortuitously timed uh (laughs) to start a virtual events uh business in july of 20 yeah right while right you know Shortly Two quarters at, before, shortly before a huge global pandemic strikes. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so so obviously uh, they they lucked out. Um, the company's um, platform is uh, now available. Uh, features all sorts of uh, interesting little event templates, which mix and match uh, different sort of. Um, forms of online interactive media so screen sharing uh presentations where you know somebody can just have their face on screen like through a webcam group ch- like a, a group chat which can be either moderated or not um there's something called a video handshake which i have absolutely no idea what that is but seems kind of interesting uh <laughs> I kind of want to try that. I kind of want to try it too. I mean, if I'm not going to be able you to know, sh- shake hands with anybody for <laughs> years, <laughs> might as well uh, get used to doing it over video, right? I, so far during the COVID times, I've left someone one facemail, voicemail with a video component to it. Really, it was just to check out the technology and see how that worked. But it was it was pretty cool, actually. And it worked? Did they get to see uh, your, yeah. your lovely uh, your lovely face? Well, I mean, yeah, mm. that's how I make all my money. <laughs> uh, it's anyway. not, we don't have voices for radio; uh, it's all in the face. Um, so <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, uh, but in all seriousness, um, you know, looks really neat. I've not had the opportunity to use uh, any Run the World, uh, like I've not experienced Run the World's platform in person. In person virtually. I don't know how you even phrase it. I've not used it firsthand, um, but it seems really cool. And evidently a bunch of other investors do too, or well, investors do too. Um, at least as of the time of recording, uh, which is to say, unless the company has raised even more money since uh, we wrote up these notes a couple few weeks ago, uh, the company has raised $14 million or $14.8 million to date. And most recently, Run the World closed $10.8 million in a Series A funding round co-led by Founders Fund and Andreessen Horowitz. So, good for them. Um, yeah, raising almost $11 million when you're such a young company. Um, obviously, a company that stands to benefit substantially from uh, from the coronavirus crisis and conferences like Collision um, that one or both of us are attending next week. Um Moving to digital uh, probably is a huge uh, boon for these guys. So 
great, great to see that there, there are companies out there still successfully raising. Again, as we pointed out, uh, it's totally possible that they had started working on that fundraise uh, long before the coronavirus crisis and maybe even closed it and only announced it later. Um, but nonetheless, definitely a company that stands to substantially benefit from the current circumstances. And as a frequent conference attender myself, I guess what I would also say is that I hope that uh, for things like like uh, Collision, which I might not have been able to physically attend, I hope that even uh, if and, and when, and I really think when, we go back to... Um, more in-person events. I hope the um, virtual attendance option uh, and a good virtual attendance experience uh, remains uh, a strong possibility going forward. I'm, I, and I'm for the record, I'm willing to bet that that will be the case. Um, and reason being like, uh, I mean, we've, chatted many times at this point and and we're sufficiently far into the um the the coronavirus uh crisis the ongoing sort of public health emergency that you know we've collectively we've kind of come to the understanding that a vaccine uh is going to be a fairly long time you know coming um it you know at least six months maybe 18 months, you know, somewhere in there, perhaps longer, very unlikely to be shorter. Um, And the reason why that's the reason why I bring that up is because there's going to be people who may feel comfortable uh, and and may have rational reason to feel comfortable going to bigger events um, before there exists a vaccine. Uh, because they may live alone, they may be very young, they may be in relatively good health. Uh, but, you know, there's going to be plenty of people who, uh, before a vaccine arrives, uh, still want to be able to experience uh, the sort of best of being at a conference, um, even if they're not able to be there themselves, because they themselves may be older, they may have elderly uh, relatives or people that they're in close contact with, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I guess what I'm, what I'm, this is a very long way of saying that, that there will be a very long phased transition between where we exist today, which is basically zero in-person events, uh, to, you know, massive multi-thousand person events, you know, happening again. And, you know, there's going to be, uh, you know, a, a gap to fill uh, between now and and the hopefully not so distant future when a vaccine does come uh, around and it and it proves effective. So, I, at least for the time being, for for at least the next couple of years to come, I'm willing to bet that there's going to be uh, plenty of opportunities for people to attend conferences remotely and um, and really, I guess for conference organizers, there's no reason not to offer some remote component as long as, you know, there's a sufficient demand from people for it. Um, because really for the cost, for the relatively low marginal cost of hiring videographers and all the rest, um, you know, that is a, another revenue stream that conference organizers are able to unlock. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that'll end up, uh, obviously this is going to be a really fun, fun company to watch. Um, anybody who is interested, uh, 
Andreessen Horowitz wrote a uh, fairly lengthy um, analysis of their reasoning behind investing in the company. Um, there were also really great articles posted uh, up in uh, Crunchbase News, uh, my former employer, uh, and uh, up in TechCrunch. And the company uh, also announced uh, the funding round on their uh, blog, which is, I guess, run on top of Substack. Um, all of which are going to be in the show notes. Uh, and we encourage you to uh, peruse those further. Um, Graham, do you want to move on and uh, talk about, uh, want to talk about talk? Yeah. So hometown talk heroes. Is a really? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, we're, we're going to finish the episode out with, uh, with two of our uh, favorite Chicago companies that have raised recently. Um, and so first we'll talk about talk. J- Jason and I are both based in Chicago. So again, we're using our, uh, you know, our influence and our, our microphones to talk about uh, so some of our favorite recently funded companies in in our backyard, yeah. as it were. Um, so, uh, Talk is a Chicago-based company um, that is in the restaurant and winery booking space. Um, mm-hmm. They offer a product uh, also called Talk. Um, the company's uh, business user base consists of. Uh, about 3,000 restaurants, wineries, and other various pop-ups across 28 countries as of February. Um, and so many of those businesses, of course, were uh, kind of stricken with or, or having difficult times dealing with the COVID-19 crisis. Um, and so Talk built out a Talk to Go solution, which aims to help those restaurants with their pickup e- and delivery business. Um, Talk has now onboarded over a thousand businesses as of April onto that new platform. And Talk take rate is only 3% as opposed to the 25% uh, often charged, uh, you know, potentially egregiously charged by Uber Eats, DoorDash, and the like. Um, and so a lot of high-end restaurants in particular seem to be gravitating towards uh, towards Talk. And so, uh, and, so and, yeah, so, and sh- that would, so shout out to Talk. Yeah, and that would actually, that would make sense that a lot of higher-end restaurants are um, flocking to Talk, if I can uh, accidentally make a bit of a rhyme there. Uh, considering the uh, the company's founder and CEO, um, so uh, Talk is run by a gentleman named Nick Kakonis. Uh, he is a, a longtime restaurateur uh, here in the Chicago area. Um, he's the co co owner uh, of the uh, Alinea Group. Um, he's also, as a side note, has been a uh, uh, an active investor in startups since uh, uh, 1996. Anyways, back to the more relevant bits. Um, he was he's co co owner of the Alinea Group, uh, which he founded or co founded rather in 2004, which includes five restaurants, 350 odd employees, four Michelin stars, 12 James Beard awards, two award winning books, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and uh, Graham, for anybody who is not from Chicago, who is uh, who might otherwise not know? Uh, would would you say that uh, in in normal times uh, is Alinea a? It's not a, it's not exactly budget eats. 
Uh, no, in, in normal times, uh, Alinea <laughs> is one of the more expensive uh, meals you can get in Chicago. Probably one of the uh, most expensive and, meals you can get in the U.S. on any given night, uh, all things yeah, considered. Yeah, that, 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 that's probably about right. And Alinea, I think, also is one of the few places where when you make the reservation often months out, you also pay at the time you make the reservation, whether yeah, you end ticketing. up showing up or, or, or not. Um, I, I've yet to have been to Alinea, uh, although I have been to uh, their related uh, uh, drink bar, Aviary, which Ooh. is a really cool spot. Um, um, but yeah, it makes, so, a lot, it makes a lot of sense that, that higher-end dining would be uh, interested in listing their offerings on talk. It's been really interesting watching uh, the Alinea group sort of um, eat its own dog food, uh, you know, so to speak, because uh, Alinea has spent spun up its own uh, takeout uh, option, you know, for people who, because obviously nobody's really going to restaurants right now, um, especially not to sit on, sit inside. Um, so it's been really neat seeing, you know, high-end restaurants offering uh, sort of like, you know, the favorites from, from their menus or coming up with uh, more comfort food type uh, menus that you can take home and, uh, reheated home or or even neater um, has been all the restaurants that are selling meal kits um, uh, and basically just shipping ingredients in packages with some nice sauces and uh, you can sort of a, do a roll your own you know Michelin star dinner if you wanted to obviously you know your results may vary but um, that's been really it's been really cool to to see these um, to 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 see talk uh, really make a uh, pivot is not exactly the right word here. I guess supportive of uh, small businesses that are particularly struggling, and you know, obviously those bigger platforms like Uber Eats, DoorDash, and others have really caught a lot of flack for being so expensive on a percentage basis for those small businesses that are otherwise struggling to make it through a time when. For everyone who sells anything other than like pizza and commonly delivered items, their business all but dried up overnight. Yeah, totally. So, um, so talk raised ten million dollars in an oversubscribed funding round led by Valor Siren Ventures, uh, with participation from their prior investor Origin Ventures, uh, announced on May twelfth. Again much closer to the time when we started conceiving this episode, yes. um, even though it was now over a month ago. It's now old news. <laughs> uh, and, and actually, I think one of my neighbors works at Talk. So again, oh. shout out to uh, shout out to them and con- congratulations. And it's great to see uh, their business, again, not exactly pivoting, but, uh, but doing so much to support uh, struggling small businesses in, uh, in these tough times. And, and actually, uh, to conclude this little section, Graham, I actually have a, fun, I have a fun fact for you. I did a little bit of digging into, so Origin Ventures, based here in Chicago. Um, did you know that uh, Valor Siren Ventures, it is a fund operated by Valor Ventures, but did you know that it is a collaboration between Valor Ventures and uh, Starbucks's corporate innovation team? I did not know that. Now you know. Um, Sorry for the pause. My microphone wouldn't turn back on. <laughs> no worries. Um, yeah, no. Uh, it, I actually started reading a little bit into uh, their uh, investment strategy and uh, 
uh, Valor Siren Ventures is is very interested in new and innovative uh, business and and technology models around uh, the uh, food and dining space. And so, um, especially as the food and dining space continues to evolve uh, as the um, pandemic and and other factors sort of continue to evolve with it, uh, it'll be really interesting to see more deals that uh, that they do, uh, plus other deals that uh, other investors specifically focused in the food and dining space uh, commit to as well. Oh, very cool! Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought so too. Um, let's see, have we arrived at uh, Quillbot? Yeah, I think so. All right. Um, so I guess I can. I guess I can start with this one. Yeah, you uh, want to take it away? Yeah, well, yeah. What a cool company. Dude, totally. I have lots of thoughts on this. Um, so first and foremost, a uh, little bit of background. Uh, founded by alumni and, uh, uh, should be noted, uh, one dropout uh, from the University of Illinois system, uh, Chicago-based Quillbot is a company which uses natural language processing technology to summarize and paraphrase text. Uh, it identifies and suggests synonyms uh, to replace words and phrases contained within uh, text that you paste in. Uh, the company offers its service through its website and offers extensions for Microsoft Word, Google Docs, and Google and Google's Chrome web browser. Uh, let's see. Quillbot's service is free to try with limited functionality. Seriously, anybody uh, who is even passively interested in uh, writing things on the internet, whether that's in a journalistic capacity, whether you're a copywriter, whether you're a researcher, whether you're a whatever, whatever. This is just my own unsolicited recommendation. Try it out. Super cool. Um, I can unpack a little bit more about why I think it's cool in a second. Um, but like I said, uh, Quillbot service is free to use with limited functionality, but the company sells premium subscriptions for as little as $80 per year, depending on the billing frequency. Uh, and, uh, I'll tell you what, um, that is pretty affordable, uh, for basically any, uh, creative professionals budget. Um, if my, you know, if I, if I'm, if I'm allowed to, uh, to, to say so myself, um, in late April, uh, Quillbot had announced that it had raised, uh, $4.25 million in a seed funding round co-led by Sierra Ventures and GSV Ventures, which saw participation from service provider capital. Um, Graham, have you gotten a chance to really play around or dig in with into Quillbot? Uh, you know, I've uh, I, I've used it just a little bit. Um, I've played around just in the free version uh, on their website of using you know their service to help find new and creative kind of wording for different phrases. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I am not a paid user and I have not installed any of the uh, you know extensions. Uh, but it is a really cool service, and and I think there's huge. Um, you know, potential for something like this in the future. I mean, like if you look at the companies like Grammarly and other things like yep. that that are plugging into browsers and analyze and, and other platforms too, and analyzing how you write and giving creative suggestions in the moment and analytics after the fact. Uh, you know about how you write, what you write, what what you say, 
and how maybe to level up some or all of that communication. I think that's a really cool thing, uh, you know, that that will be kind of the next wave of communication technology, you know, totally. and that'll be like the stepping stone to, you know, AI just writing all of those types of messages for us, I think. Well, I mean, hopefully there's still a human in the human in the loop. At some point, but... Well, I don't know. You're not a journalist anymore. Well, I still write things on the internet, Graham. Occasionally. That's how I make... Well... <laughs> uh, that, that, that wasn't a dig, I promise. No, 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 no. Not, no dig taken. Um, but I was actually... No, I was going to say say that um, uh, full transparency, like, I am currently sitting on the sort of, like, edge of the fence. Uh... Uh, I'm straddling the fence uh, between purchasing and not purchasing a year of Quillbots. That would be about 80 bucks for me. Um, and the reason being is because, um, you know, at least, you know, a lot of uh, part of the work that I do involves uh, browsing around the web, uh, technically known as researching. Uh, so I do a lot of research and, you know, we do end up publishing quite a bit of written content uh, for Golden. And uh, a lot of the, con- you know, there is oftentimes no better, more authoritative source to um, explain what a company is doing than, say, the company itself. And rather than wholesale uh, copy-pasting content from a company's, for example, about page or a press release, you know, announcing the, you know, where maybe at the bottom it'll be like, oh, about Acme Inc. And it'll say this like, you know, eight sentence blurb about what Acme Inc. does using Acme Inc. as a placeholder here. Um, rather than just, you know, flat out copy pasting it, uh, which is which feels lazy and and is also really bad for SEO um, because Google really punishes companies that just wholesale copy content from one place to another. Um, this This might be a very advantageous tool for uh for for capturing the essence of what uh for example a paragraph of text sought to articulate um without using the precise exact same wording as that paragraph from another site so this could be a very advantageous tool for anybody who writes a lot of marketing copy where they want to take inspiration or borrow from other parts of the internet um, because, you know, they feel like, you know, they couldn't have said it better themselves. So, you know, I think I think it's really cool. Um, definitely, there's, you know, there's some complicating, there's some, there's some complicated uh, um, ethics involved, which the company sort of says, you know, we're not a tool for students to, used to cheat while writing their papers or whatever, whatever. But like, um, really for, for any, for any other sort of application, I think it's really interesting and, um, is definitely worth checking out if you are, uh, even tangentially in the writing things on the internet business. And so how do you see, uh, how do you see this, uh, being used at golden, uh, if you can, you know, disclose that or, uh, or, or at a company like Golden, how might a Crunchbase or someone else who's sure. producing producing a lot of content use a Quillbot to get more mileage out of what they're already writing? Sure. Um, so, you know, if you're 
if you're an organization where you're writing a lot of authoritative content, um, it is it's important to make sure that that content stays fresh for readers. You know, human readers want want to read something a little bit different every time. Uh, otherwise, everything gets incredibly boring and rote. Um, but also, like I said, uh, for technical reasons, um, you know, search engines like Google and um, I don't know about Bing or DuckDuckGo. And I don't know of any other search. Anyways, this is all to say that that search engines penalize organizations uh, that or they penalize domain rankings for uh, domains that have a lot of content that is sort of wholesale copy and pasted from one place to another. And um, I am not golden. We, we try to write as much of our own original content as possible. And we do. Um, but, you know, for example, if I wanted to write about a company and I wanted to have a top paragraph that is a high level description of what the company does from my journalism days, I know that those things exist in press releases, high level descriptions of what a company does. And I might want, and I might just say, Hey, look, like that's a fantastic explanation. Um, let's use that, but let's change the words around slightly so that it's not so that Google doesn't think that we're wholesale copy pasting stuff. Um, which would be bad. Uh, also not ethical from a, you know, it's, it's just not, not good to do that. Um, but you know, we can get unique, uh, unique content out there that, that has the exact same meaning as the original, but, uh, is, is slightly different and is, uh, uh, unique enough for, for readers to, to find it, you know, engaging and enjoyable too. Um, so I, I really think it's, 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 like I said earlier, it's it's a has tremendous utility, at least in my opinion, for um, web copywriters and and research groups and and all the rest. Yeah, I think that that's uh, that, that's really cool for for you guys to be able to take advantage of of a service like that. Do you do do you see any negatives of that? Like other than people cheating on papers, uh. do you see any negatives or? downsides of this like uh, again oh. i so, somewhat tongue-in-cheek said in the beginning of what i was saying about it like that while i think it's really cool that like maybe bots will just be doing all of this like does this lead to any i don't know not not exactly dystopian but like, like what's the what's the downside or a potential downside of this going wrong in the future uh i mean it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to extrapolate and i also feel as though like I, I also don't want to extrapolate using Quillbot as a specific example because at least because one I have no idea what their long-term product roadmap is and you know it would be um let's just say it would be problematic for me to say like oh Quillbot is is you know the the end of you know creative writing on the internet which is definitely not what I'm saying at all um but you know like like there are some there are I can see some knock-on effects, which is like, you know, uh, if if at the end of the day, you know, a very large percentage of text is being generated by, um, you know, non-human agents uh, that are in turn deriving their own textual output from uh, from a source, which 
itself may or may not have been generated from a non-human agent. You know, it's sort of at the end of the day, it's like, it's like, um, how many, how many times can you make the sausage before, you know, everything just becomes this sort of like gross amalgamation of other things, gray uniform paste. Ew. Yeah, let's not. Uh, I guess well, it's let's sort of not like the re- inside of a. Let's of not a, re- rewrite, rewritten things that many times. Right, exactly. It's like making a copy of a copy of a copy. Like after a certain point, if you Xerox a Xerox, like it'll get kind of grainy and weird. Um, but like, like this in combination with like some something kind of like this, like a paraphrasing engine, in you know, in conjunction with a really interesting like text generation thing like i don't know like gpt3 like which which was just released a little while ago which is a whole separate conversation which is probably for a different episode um i think could be pretty neat um uh, graham oh so i uh, so rudely hung up on jason in the middle <laughs> of our uh, recording right in the middle accidentally. Of the quality quality and, 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 rant and, yeah and, and jason was uh going on uh like one of his jason tangents that we all love so much mm, really? i'm uh, sorry to have accidentally ended it <laughs> but i now have a new tactic you, when i want to redirect you back you towards t- something else ah <laughs> uh, graham you put me out of my misery thank you um where was i anyways uh back to the whole idea like like yeah there's there's the sort of questions about like copies of copies and you know how far removed you know some something can be from uh from its source while still retaining the sort of spirit and original meaning of what it was originally articulating but what i was going to say is is that at least as long as um quillbot maintains and and services like quillbot i'm not picking on quillbot in particular but it it does satisfy what i was about to say um which is that as long as it has that human in the loop element right like i am the per- if i am the user I am the person who is pasting things into one window and having it show up in another. And I get to see the changes side by side, you know, that or see the changes that were made side by side um, between the original and the modified version. Um, so as long as there's still a human in the loop, uh, I don't see there necessarily being any sort of a danger. Um, I guess it's, I guess, you know, weird, weird things are bound to happen if, I know that they also have an API product, uh, you know, that can do some more uh, large scale summarization and and paraphrasing and stuff like that. So, you know, there may be opportunities there for things to get a little wonky and weird. But um, at least as it stands right now, I am not personally concerned about um, about something like uh, Quillbot uh, or or its competitors, if you know, if they exist. Um, really, really meaningfully uh, disrupting the game in a game-breaking way uh, for people who are in the writing things on the internet and the content business. Um, obviously, there's chances and opportunities for that to change going forward as um, natural language processing and text generation and all this other stuff gets better and better. Um, you know, we we start falling into... Uh, sort of risks around, you know, Turing test style problems around, you know, does it, can we tell if it was written by a robot? Uh, and if so, does that, you know, it, if so, or if not, you know, does, does, does that really matter? I don't know. Um, but at least for the short term, I think that we're a long, long way off from 
the uh, benevolent uh, natural language processing overlords from uh, really taking over. If that makes sense. So, so yeah, of course it does. So, I'm, uh, I'm so, not a robot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, so shout out to the folks over at Quillbot, uh, which Crunchbase lists as having between one and ten employees and being headquartered in in our backyard at uh, in, in Chicago, founded in December of 2017 uh, on their uh, recent raise of uh, four or four and a quarter million dollars. Yep, made with love at uh, UIUC. Yeah. Very so, cool. So, uh, anyways, everybody, uh, links to everything that we discussed, the rounds from Run the World, talk. And Quillbot will be in the show notes for this episode. Um, you can find more about Fully Vested at fullyvested.co. Uh, Graham, we also have various social media uh, outlets that we've uh, set up. What are where where can people find us on the Twitters? And, oh yes, uh, and well, we're else. not. Uh, we're we're working on becoming much more active. Uh, but yeah, you can find us uh, on Twitter at Twitter. Uh, our Twitter handle is fully oh, vested some, cast. Fully vested cast. There you go. There you go. And you can search uh, for fully um, vested on sites like uh, LinkedIn.com and the Instantaneous Gram application for and iOS and Android space. and FaceSpace. The big blue, big blue. That's right. No longer IBM. It's face space. Well, uh, Jason, the <laughs> last uh, last thought that I've got is sure. uh, that, it, that it was kind of fun Hit to uh, kind of be doing a, like a rundown of uh, companies uh, that, that have done funding recently uh, in a goal of, you know, do, covering good news during, during COVID times. Uh, but maybe we'll have to uh, do some more company kind of we'll company r- profiling we'll, we'll, uh, in, in the future. Yeah, we'll uh, round, round up of rounds. Round up, round down, round whatever. up, round down. Mm. Uh, at any rate, Graham, this is uh, as always. Uh, it's been fully vested. It's been fantastic talking to you, uh, listeners. Find us on the internet, uh, all the places that we previously said. Graham, do you have any final thoughts? I don't think so. Mm. Stay, uh, stay safe out there, everybody. Stay safe and uh, watch your uh, <laughs> watch the hang up button on Skype. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that'll get you. From, from the small uh, window, I just tried to reopen the big window. I just wanted to see your pretty face. Uh, it's, and then I ended the call. Whoops. Uh, it's pretty because it's mostly behind a microphone. Everybody, uh, I hope you have a uh, uh, fantastic rest of the day, evening, yada, yada. Uh, Bringing you good news from the COVID crisis. <laughs> your friends here are fully vested. Uh, stay safe and be well, friends. Bye. Bye.